What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain So the traditional Bulgarian bag is one of those unconventional tools that you really don't recognize how beneficial it is until you get your hands on it. And then as on it does, we made some improvements and we came out with what we call the HydroCore bag. Now the improvements we made are one portability. You can fill the HydroCore bag with water and so you can adjust how much weight is in this bag. But not only that, the way that the water flows within the bag adds another dynamic to help with muscle stabilization and all kinds of different techniques. And if you check out the video that I'm going to be launching on my social media, you'll be able to see a little bit more of the workout that I went through, which absolutely crushed me just using the HydroCore bag. So this is one of those tools you can keep at your house or you can bring on the road and ensure that you are going to get a kick-ass workout. So go to onnit.com slash Aubrey, save 10% on the HydroCore bag. Once again, that's onnit.com slash Aubrey, and give this tool a try. If you haven't tried it, I promise you'll be impressed. I'm back again to cross quills with Humble the Poet. Our first podcast was incredible. This one also will not disappoint. We cover, as we always do, a wide range of topics about all those things going on deep on the inside of our psyche, of our emotional body, and everything going on in our life. I think you guys are going to love this podcast. Check it out. Humble the Poet. Yes, sir. You're back, my man. Thank you for having me back, man. Well, I'm having you back because the last show was so good, and you got another book coming out, which is unfathomable to me. But there is an interesting story because the other book you had written for a long time, and then it finally came out and got that kind of mainstream recognition. Yeah. And in the meantime, you were also writing your new book, Things No One Else Can Teach Us. Yeah. So Unlearn, I wrote five years ago. I published it independently in 2014. I crowdfunded it, um, released it on, you know, like using like Kindle direct publishing. People just ordered it online. And then I got got picked up in Canada. When I got picked up in Canada, I got put in the bookstores. It became a bestseller. That got me a deal in the states with HarperCollins, and then they signed me to a two book deal. And then when they were they were re releasing it in April, so that was my first time getting exposure to the mainstream, you know, reading public. And at the same time, uh, I was working on this book. So I just finished this book probably a month before you met me. Which is interesting. It would be interesting for me because if I release something current that I wrote in 2014, I'd be like, God, I'm a dumbass. <laughs> you know? Because like the process of learning, it's not that those things are untrue. And it's not that dumbass is the right judgment to make. But like when you look back at how much life, the universe, like is such an amazing teacher if you're open to receiving the lessons, 
like you learn at such an exponential rate so you know i can't wait to dive into this book and check out what has transpired because it's five years five it, years of growth and i feel like it went both ways so definitely I'm, I'm i'm older and wiser and had more life experiences in between the two books but also sometimes i look at the first book and like this guy was he had the freedom of, of freedom of obscurity like mm. nobody knew who i was i didn't have i had never been canceled on twitter at that point i had never seen a, a negative youtube comment at that point so i was just completely free to just kind of let it all out and then you start to realize that as you're more people know who you are as you become a bigger target of criticism or just people's opinions positive or negative you know that starts to weigh in on you mm. so I, I sometimes i look back and i read it and i was just like wow this guy was so free like he just wrote this in an empty room expecting nobody to read it and then all of a sudden this was written by a guy who had signed a major publishing deal, saw a lot of pressure when it came to deadlines or what have you. Um, and I had to write this book, scrap it and start all over just to really shed a lot of that, a lot of those insecurities and fears. So, I mean, definitely there's much more wisdom and experience. And as a writer, just putting pen to paper, definitely I've become a better writer over those five years. But there was a freedom to that first book that uh, yeah. I'm, I'm really interested to see how people connect it with this one. Well, the, the freedom was, you know, it's like uh, the freedom in the absence of great resistance yeah. is a kind of a natural freedom. Mm -hmm. It's like an inherent freedom. You know, it's something we would feel if we were just out playing with no expectations, just amongst our friends and whatever. But as the world compounds and adds all of these pressures and all these forces and our own expectations our own ambitions our own preferences for what comes that resistance then opens up deeper levels of our own cravings and our own aversions our desires for things and our fears of things and then like different deeper levels of learning come from that yeah and i think it's also the idea that like you know back then you know things seem so larger than life you know for me it was like being in a situation like this would have never crossed my mind. So then all of a sudden, impossible becomes nothing. So then all of a sudden, your ambitions start to raise exponentially. And then then I struggle with the idea that can you have these massive ambitions and find any contentment? Will they ever hold hands? And then that's, that becomes a back and forth struggle. So I think for me, I'm I'm having this thing where I'm looking at two sides of the coin for every single thing, no matter how wonderful or horrible it is. And sometimes it's a gift, especially in the challenging times. And other times it just really ruins the fun out of the stuff yeah. that I should be enjoying. Well, I think I read something as I was just flipping through, like good and bad, wonderful and horrible. You start to question those very ideas themselves. Yep. You know, like that idea, that judgment, blessing, curse, wonderful, horrible, good, bad. You start to go like, eh, yeah. I was learning, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's just that's the only constant. The only constant is whether you're paying attention and open to what. The universe is teaching you yeah exactly it's um one of my favorite quotes that my mom would always tell me was you know a bucket can't catch any rain if it's upside down and realizing <laughs> that like yo this was always there the blessings were always there the knowledge was always there the vibes were always there my bucket was just upside down and the work that we have to do is internal just to turn that bucket over and then all of a sudden you become overwhelmed with all this beauty and that's a challenge when people are critical 
of you, right? Because then you just want to turn the bucket over. Because then that, if you turn the bucket over, I'm like, yeah, fuck everyone. Yeah. Then nothing comes in the bucket. Yeah. You know, none of the things you don't like come in the bucket. But the problem is, none of the good comes in the bucket either. Exactly. Right. So the courage comes from turning the bucket right side up and say, all right, pour in all that hate. Yeah. Pour in all that criticism. Like I can take that too. And just be grateful. People are paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. And know that they're all in their own in their own steps of their own journeys. Yeah. And most often they're they're projecting their pain. You know, mm-hmm. even when I find myself, you know, I, I probably have never left anybody a mean YouTube comment or a mean tweet, but they've existed in my head. And most often I'm speaking from a place where I'm telling my story more so than anybody else's story, because I feel like somebody accomplished something that I wanted to accomplish. And instead of me just simply being like, hey, they put in the work, they put in the hours, they did stuff before you even knew who they were. I want to tell myself something to make myself feel better. Like, oh, they got lucky. Oh, they might have an uncle in the industry. Oh, they might have slept their way to the top. But the reality is I'm just telling my story and it's just a reflection of my insecurities. So now when I receive these, I try to look at them with compassion. But you start to realize that the main thing is to, you know, be very cognizant of how often you're even exposing yourself to this stuff. Because it's these little dopamine drops. It's this little validation nuggets that we keep chasing. And, uh, uh, I heard something really cool yesterday too. Was like you get excited when you get a notification on your phone, but then you also get anxiety about the pressure to reply to that message. Mm-hmm. And so it's like instantly this euphoria and stress at the same time. And sometimes you feel like the best thing to do is just step away from all of it. Well, and it's sometimes necessary. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that's the recalibration that I've sought, and you know, also you've sought as well, even from something like a plant medicine journey, right? Like if you're going to do ayahuasca in South America, you know that not only are you gonna get the wisdom of the medicine, but you're also going to be unplugged and you're gonna let everybody know like, hey, I'm out, (laughs) I'm in the jungle, like I'm doing my own stuff, I'll get back to you when I'm back. Yeah, You know what I mean? And that, that pause, that pushing pause is, in some cases almost as valuable as the downloads that you'll get from the wisdom of the these ancient you know kind of plant medicine technologies right yeah you're right i I did it the opposite (laughs) so what happened was when i went to peru anybody who 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 cared about me and was going to worry i didn't tell them that i was going i just said i'm visiting a friend who worked in south america he did a lot of charity Uh work so i told nobody that i was actually taking ayahuasca except for my friends and they wanted play-by-plays and um, I didn't give him play-by-plays for the actual ayahuasca ceremony, but the night before, we had to take volcanic water, mm-hmm. and you got to drink like 10 tall glasses of volcanic water. And like after about three sips of the first cup, it's like instant diarrhea, instant cleansing or purging or whatever they call it. Yeah. And your heart rate like increases mass or, or it drops, and like you're just freezing and shivering. And I remember trying to like type to my friends, letting them know what, what the whole process was. And um definitely realizing and and not knowing what i was supposed to be eating before like my last meal before i took ayahuasca was like mcdonald's and like cusco (laughs) (laughs) because i I didn't i didn't have any i literally it was a it was my reward for getting out of debt this is 2014 and i had i was in like 80 grand debt back in like 2010 and i clawed my way out of it and i was like you know i had done mushrooms before and every time i had done mushrooms all my it makes your insecurities the ones you forget that exist like bubble up to the top of course 
And a lot of mine were feeling like a failure. Like, why did I leave my job as a teacher? Why am I a burden to my family? Who did I think I was to be a full-time artist? You just, I messed up my entire life. I'm over 30. What the hell am I doing? So I told myself, you ain't taking ayahuasca until you address at least these financial stuff. And uh, so my reward, literally, I had a friend who, who does work in South America. And he's like, hey, I'm going to be in Lima on these days. If you want to come, we can probably find a place to do ayahuasca. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And then a week after I got out of debt, I put myself right back in debt by buying a plane ticket to Peru. And um, that first process of cleansing ourselves, I thought that was uh, super uncomfortable and uh, I had no idea what to expect from that. Uh-huh. And that's when the, for us, the, uh, the, the vow of silence had to begin. After uh-huh. that, you couldn't speak for the next 24 hours. And then they took us into the jungle and it was just me and a friend. There was nobody else there for the entire ceremony. And um, I had a tea leaf reading. And this is literally a shaman just throwing leaves in the air. And then one Mm -hmm. side is dark green, one side is light green. And he's reading them out loud. And then a junior shaman was translating it. And he was just hitting everything on the nose. Wow. He was telling me stuff like, you know, I I had just come back from uh, shooting a music video. And I was in England. And the music video, to make the floor look all shiny, they had like sprayed it with water. So we were like performing and like maybe like one inch deep water and i was wearing these like really thin dress shoes and it was like super cold outside so i ended up catching a cold and he's like and then from from london i went to new york for a show and then from new york i went straight to peru and he said to me you've been carrying around an illness and the reason the illness doesn't go away is because you don't address issues that you have in your life you just avoid things and that makes you weak and that allows these illnesses to follow you around and back then I was trying my best to multitask with as, win- as many women as I could. And he's like, you, you're mutilating love. You have a lot of love in your life and you're just mutilating it. You're taking a rose and you're cutting it at the stem for no reason. Um, he told me, hmm. I remember because we weren't allowed to write anything down. I had to just continually repeat this in my head until I was able to access my phone again. Um, he said, you have an open heart, but no relationship with the world. And that one confused me for a long time because you, you do nothing for the world. As big as your heart is and as kind as you are to people, you do nothing for the world. And that took me about three years to figure yeah, the out. the call to service. The call to service. And uh, that was that was a big one that really changed. And I'm, I'm even learning that now, just even the difference between the last time we spoke. The last time we spoke, it was very, it had to, at that point, and I gave myself space for it, it was very ego-driven. It was, I have to make this book successful. I have to plug myself into this new market. I have to let people know who I am. And then the moment the episode dropped, all all these friends that I haven't heard from a long time, they're like, oh my God, you know, Arby Marcus, I listen to this podcast every day. Oh my God, he's like the best podcast. And I can't believe you got on that show. And then again, feeding that ego, temporary little droplets of dopamine or what have you. And now getting to the point where it's like, no, look, it's not about will people read your book? Will you hit a will you hit the New York Times bestseller list? Will you make money? Now it's like, what are you gonna do with your ability to write words? What's what value can you add to the world? And really trying to do that, knowing and, and even with the relationship with you, realizing that, you know, the ego, the status feeds the ego, but seeing somebody who's actually doing the work and you know messaging you every so often when you say some real shit (laughs) and being like holy shit like this guy's being ridiculously honest with himself and he's doing it on a public forum and that forces me to be honest with myself and figure out what's going on with me and being like that's the stuff that feeds the soul 
Yeah. And I know you recently put that tweet out, which the things that feed the ego and the things that feed the soul. And I'm finding myself there now, being cognizant of the difference. That's the that's the most important thing. Yeah. You know, it's like people think you're going to shed the ego. You're not. You know, you're just going to become aware of it, yeah. and then you can retrain it. You can retrain it to focus on some other things. Yeah. You know, like retrain it. Like I had to. I had to make a move to try and basically get my ego geared towards because you can get your ego geared towards pretty much anything Mm -hmm. you can get your ego geared towards shedding your ego and that's this form of spiritual materialism where you're flaunting how spiritual you are and how non-competitive and non-egoic you are and you're getting your ego trained to do that but it's really just kind of bogus right because it's your ego is still driving that and i even recognize like setting a goal to experience unconditional love which is my goal to at least selectively it's hard universally but to try and experience as much love for all as ramdas says everything not every being but everything like find love for everything i realized that i needed to actually harness my ego in order to help accelerate me on that path right so like use the ego to be like okay ego get excited about being the one who can love unconditionally you know what i mean so like the ego's then like oh yeah that would make me kind of cool right and i was like yeah it would ego (laughs) you'd you'd be the coolest if you could love unconditionally you know so it's like tricking the ego to actually defeat itself in a certain way because you're using the ego's momentum to actually create the unification of the ego with the soul putting your efforts towards something as noble as unconditional love but it's got to be real so it can't be pretending can't be like oh, i'm pretending to love everything unconditionally it's like just acknowledging when you are or when you're not but using the ego and like whipping that horse to be like okay point towards that thing that's the most noble thing you can do service unconditional love like let's go ego stop worrying about money status likes things like this like how much can you love can you love when it's hard can you love when you don't want to can you love when you're afraid you yeah. know and those like little those little victories and those little wins you know start to start to matter but to do that without the ego may be impossible or maybe just a level so far beyond where i'm at <laughs> that, yeah. that it, it's not even fathomable so are you are you finding it with yourself is, is your focus to receive unconditional love or to provide unconditional love ah uh, it's that's the thing because it's kind of both the same yeah because like if you're able to love everyone unconditionally you'll love yourself unconditionally so you'll receive everything as love unconditionally right it's like it's this it's the portal that once you open it up yeah you know you give and receive both it's that bucket it's that thing right yeah. yeah it's it's overflowing constantly and filling constantly it's in this kind of infinity loop cycle where it's always you know flowing in and out like paul check taught me a song which you know we were singing in like a really like long sauna and he yeah. was like i have a song for everybody to sing and the song goes i fill myself with love i give it all away i fill myself with love i give it all away and you just start singing that for like five minutes it's like a traditional prayer song but with modern language yeah. right so just recognizing that you have to receive that love in in order to give it away yeah and so finding the sources what are the sources i don't know it could be nature it could be the world at large it could yeah. be somebody specific but you have to open yourself up to receive it it always goes back to priming yourself mm-hmm. to receive it because it's always been there 
it has always been there. Yeah, and it's just about us kind of receiving it. I, I've recently I went to a uh, like a, a kirtan. It was a Hare Krishna kirtan. It was hosted by Jay Shetty, and um, a really interesting idea that came from that was somebody was there was a performer, and then somebody was sitting and and you know we're all sitting behind each other, and then someone's like, "Can everybody see me?" And then somebody said. And somebody else said, apologies if I'm in the way. And then somebody's like, I'm looking inwards. Nobody can get in my way except for myself. Mm. And just realizing how often that we are both the key to our salvation, but also the speed bumps, the barriers, oh. you know, the, the greatest asset and the greatest liability on this journey. And it's just trying to keep one foot in, in the other existing because we get we can dip our toes into both worlds simultaneously and it can get confusing and overwhelming but bringing ourselves back to this place where we take that ownership and that personal responsibility is probably the first step and then you know the winds are blowing we just got to open our sails mm. that's another quote that i saw in, yeah. in in your book right here right and that that winds towards our evolution and opening the sails is being able to receive that love that's around, being able to open your Venetian blinds to your own awareness of like, oh, okay, what's going on here? What are you feeling? Why are you closed off? Okay, yeah. heart, like, why are you closed off right now? Like, what is the thing that you're afraid of? Are you afraid that once you taste that love so sweet and it's so good and it's so pure and it fills every cell of your body and turns it electric and makes you feel like the divine being that you are you're afraid that if that gets taken away you know you're gonna be in the absence of that expression of that feeling and it's gonna hurt so bad that better to not even open yourself up to that possibility because you might lose it well that's not the poet's way you yeah. know that's not the poet warrior poet's way to do it at all you feel it and if it's gone it's gone and you can always get it back because it's it's everywhere man yeah in addition to us being the source of it exactly and the more we put out the more you know it'll connect and even going back to to the critics it's the critics only have an impact when they're able to hold hands with something inside of us that feels the same mm -hmm. you know if you grew up and having somebody that you care about say something to you big or small whatever it may be and then all of a sudden somebody from the outside world says it to you it instantly connects on a deeper level versus somebody saying something that you don't really care about yeah and uh from from my ayahuasca experience, that was a big thing that was that had happened to me when we had finally taken the drink. You know, he he said pretty much, "All right, you can take this drink. I want you to sit up for half an hour, and then uh, in half an hour, I'll say you may now lie down." Which was also code for you can start throwing up. Yep. Those who haven't taken it, it's considered a purge. It's gonna come out every every which way, and it's there to kind of cleanse you of what's going on. And um, it was just me me and a buddy in in this. Uh, hut in the Maloka, jungle yeah and uh, you know for the first you know when that half an hour was up and i had my bucket my trusty bucket and i was just letting it all out in that bucket you know in the beginning i it literally felt like i was peeling away a layer of life and i could see the coating underneath and the freedom of it and i had now found my my vibe with everything and then all of a sudden it started to get overwhelming physically and mentally and there was a nurse on site and her job was to check your heart rate but she was also like focus on the love and i remember getting really frustrated just hearing her say that like what do you mean focus on the love just focus on the love and let go and not knowing what that meant and the shaman saying if you feel like you're going to die 
then die. Mm. And then just being like, I got to send an email to somebody. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna bury me in the back of this thing. I don't know what the hell is going on. And I think in retrospect, what I realized is everyone listening has taken some substance on some level. And, you know, whether you smoke weed or take alcohol, <clears throat> at some point when it gets overwhelming, you have this talk with yourself like, hey, get it together. Like, mm. maintain your composure. What they were saying is don't. Let it let it all happen. Whatever's going to happen, let it happen. You're in a safe space. Um, I didn't get that context at that point. And I actually had to get up and it was a dark room. And I started to feel like I was four years old. And I remember being four years old, having to sleep in my cousin's room. And he had the Michael Jackson Thriller album cover on his wall. And remember that music video scaring the shit out of me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And not being able to sleep because I'm just looking up at this Thriller album. I started feeling like that. And the room got darker. And then I looked over at my friend. He just looked like he died. He was just laying with a big, his teeth were showing, but it just looked like he wasn't moving. And then I was like, I got to get out of here. And then they're like, you can't go anywhere. I'm like, no, I got to get out. And I got up and I left. And then the shaman followed me. And then I went outside to like look at the trees and the sunshine, thinking it would calm me down. And he said, listen, you're, you're running away from the journey you need to take. He goes, your journey can't even start until you close your eyes. I was like, Closing my eyes is the scariest thing I've ever done. <laughs> and he goes, exactly. Yeah. He goes, I'm going to give you five more minutes, and then we're going to walk back inside. And then finally, after the five minutes, he walked me back inside. I sat there. Uh, I actually took off my turban, and I retied it to cover my eyes. And then that's when the journey began, and I just started to see all these faces. And it made it, in the beginning, I couldn't even make eye contact. They were random faces. They were just random people I had never seen before, and I couldn't make eye contact with them. And it was revealing my insecurities and how afraid I was of people. And then when, you know, and they, they continually said, think about love, then I just began to think about my mother's face. I'm just like, you know, mm-hmm. that is my, my, my benchmark of love. Even when she's the most critical of me, even when she reminds me of excuses to be insecure because of whatever tools she did or didn't have, I thought about her and I remember just laughing excessively. And then coming to this point, thinking about what he said about mutilating love, thinking about what he said about service and realizing that when I had been betrayed or heartbroken or people, sorry, at this point, when, I, when people didn't live up to my expectations, sure, um, the pain I felt and what I thought I needed to do was to close myself off. And I thought I needed to have thicker skin. So people couldn't hurt me anymore. And I didn't realize, and I have it in, in, in a rhyme in one of my, my recent songs. I said, you know, my skin's so thick, I'm bulletproof, but Cupid's arrows can't get through. Mm-hmm. You know, and realizing that everything I'm doing to protect myself, I'm also doing to hurt myself. And that began my journey of trying to be more vulnerable. As you can tell on this podcast, we're diving deep into the ways that we can work with challenge that we are facing externally and use that challenge to our advantage. But the thing about any challenge is that the state that the body is in matters. Our energy levels matter. How you feel matters. And that's why taking a product like CBD is gonna be incredibly helpful. And when it comes to CBD, there is a clear favorite. I know there's a ton of CBDs out there, but Pure Spectrum is the CBD that I go with and I believe is the CBD that you should go with. Why? Well, it's grown right here in the United States. It also has one of the best and most stringent testing protocols, which is why organizations like CrossFit and so many other high-level organizations are going with Pure Spectrum. 
It's a product that Brendan Schaub uses. It's a product that I use. It is one of the most comprehensive product lines of CBDs. They have all the salves. They have the isolates. They have the full spectrum hemp extracts. They have a full gamut of products that you can utilize. And this is something that really we all should be utilizing because the cannabinoid system is incredibly beneficial to the human body. So if you really want to support yourself so that you can go and tackle those challenges, like the challenges we're talking about on this podcast, then CBD is a great opportunity to do that. It's going to help you with your sleep. It's going to help you with all different kinds of stress responses going on from the physical body all the way through the entirety of the holistic system. So check it out. Go to PureSpectrumCBD.com and use code Aubrey and get 10% off everything. Again, that's PureSpectrumCBD.com, code Aubrey. Yeah, the armor, the armor doesn't discern. Yeah. You know, the armor is just the armor. Yeah. It's funny you tell that story about the rose because in my most recent psychedelic journey, I had <clears throat> a really strong interaction with rose i've actually done a plant medicine diet where you commune with and this for some people who've never been exposed to the phenomenon like the ayahuasca shamans they'll diet certain plants which means you're in basically a meditation or a communion with that plant spirit yeah they believe that all things have spirits particularly plants plants yeah. the trees and whatever whatever that much mama yeah exactly yeah. And, the, and the earth itself but you can isolate a plant spirit and then have a meditation with that spirit where that spirit will guide you yeah. and i did that with rose for 22 days um probably about five years ago and learned a lot of things from the rose plant and haven't really kept up my communion and like meditation with rose but um i was actually participating in opening another dieta it's called with one of my dear friends and so i brought rose i wanted to bring rose into the altar because i was like well she's doing a plant diet i'll you know reconnect with rose and i remember i went out to the outside and we have rose bushes outside uh, outside our place and there was only one rose that was still in bloom and i remember you know looking at the rose and asking like rose you know i'm gonna if it's okay i'm gonna cut you off and i'm gonna put you on the altar and i got like the kind of all clear but i wasn't super like tapped in i wasn't on medicine then at any point and i was kind of yeah. like hurrying a little bit so i just snipped it and then kind of carried it to the altar and laid it down and then the mushrooms kicked in <laughs> and then uh and then i got this voice that came through and it was from rose yeah. and rose was like you're gonna snip me off and not even smell me you didn't even take the time to smell me Wow. he didn't even breathe in my essence yeah right and so that idea of mutilating love i mean love can't be ultimately mutilated but we can harvest things without breathing in mm. the actual love and the essence of what it is and you can do that with people too and i realize that that's a dangerous pattern you can have with lovers as well not just rose you can just collect them oh i got this person to love me want me want to sleep with me whatever but never really like allow yourself to breathe them in. Yeah. So I had to stumble my way at peak of my experience and then go back to the altar and like smell the rose. And then the voice of rose is like, there you go. Like, don't ever forget to like smell the rose that you harvest. Yeah. Whatever that, whatever that is. So maybe it's the business you, you create. Maybe like just breathe it in or the book you launch or the, the person you're with, the friends that you're with or the lovers that you're with. Like yeah. take, take the moment to like breathe them in don't just say like oh yeah i met this cool this cool dude like if you do meet this cool dude like breathe it in 
yeah like take it all in you know before you just put that as like a check mark on your on your list egoic list of things that i've accomplished oh wow i got this pretty girl or oh wow i got this cool friend or oh wow i started this cool company like be immersed in the essence of that thing and that's that's your expression of love yeah because that ego to-do list i'm realizing it's just never ending it's always insatiable it's it's insatiable as you said in your your newsletter uh, and we talked about that offline just you know you're chasing that rabbit and the second you catch it and take a bite it's no longer it's no longer a rabbit Mm -hmm. and you know literally your to-do list for your ego there's always that little box at the bottom that just says well what's next what's next and now you're just climbing this mountain that has no peak you're you're it's it's insatiable but you keep telling yourself like no 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 this next thing that's all that's all i need i just need to get this next point and everything's going to feel better but you're like you know who who I see recently talk about it was it a uh, Dave Chappelle talking about like Anthony Bourdain committing suicide and just being like this guy got to eat food travel the world and have interesting dinner guests and he still killed himself what makes anybody think that like life's gonna get any better for anybody mm. you know it's, it's it goes back to our internal relationship with what's in front of us and being I was I was away from my family for about a month and and I got back last week and I realized like my father's lifestyle is clockwork you know he watches cnn from four to five he knows it's all bs but watches it for the entertainment loves it and then from five to six he eats his dinner from six to seven he goes on his one walk takes an hour walk comes home and then from seven to eight goes on his ipad watches silly videos of things that are happening makes me watch all these silly videos with him and then he goes to bed and then he starts it all over he's retired he's got three different volunteer jobs he does and just the routine of it the simplicity of it the beauty of it it works so well for him there isn't an aspiration he has set whatever goals he needed to and his responsibilities for his family i'm the youngest i'm doing all right so now he's just like this is my regimented lifestyle and i'm going to do it and seeing that and being like okay there's a lot of beauty in that and i was chasing the exact opposite i didn't want no two days to be the same mm-hmm. I, I wanted to continually meet new people have unique experiences have my mind blown as many times as possible jet set be around the world all the time be an international person and without realizing that hey there's time zones you're gonna keep eating fast food when you get tired all of these these temporary relationships you have are very transactional and going to leave you feeling extremely hollow and you're not going to be aware of that hollowness and they're going to seek more of it you're going to double down and now that's no different than anybody else doing any type of drug and then seeing how he's found what he needs in the simplicity and he slowed life down even my uber driver coming here talking about moving from california to austin he's like this place slowed life down for me and it let me see things clearer yeah and i think uh that's something I want to spend more time doing. And now, especially with the writing, I think one of the other biggest differences between the first book and this book, the first book is I learned some stuff and I wrote about it. And people dug the fact that I can use simple language. I was a grade three teacher. Yeah. This book is I wrote a story of something that happened to me. And then I figured out how that impacted my perspective, my attitude and what have you. And I think moving forward, that's what I'm going to do. I'm no longer going to write things I've figured out. I'm going to write things to figure it out wise yeah, yeah and just share that journey yeah that's definitely what ends up happening yeah. you know when you start actually putting it in there because it causes you to f- have like a deeper deeper introspection because you got to really explain it yeah. you know and and listening to your father's story kind of 
brings up this idea of zen really which is how you do anything is how you do everything so if you're living in in that kind of zen spirit which is not what you're doing but it's how you're doing it you know so it's not that it's not that he has a regimen lots of people have a regimen and they do it mindlessly and unconsciously and without any joy it's just like do this every day blah 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 you know back to back to back but if you take the moment to relish it take a moment to be present for it take a moment to take care in what in what you're doing and bring joy like through that experience you're winning yeah you know you're really winning and we can get lost in chasing the external things these like great hedonic refreshments you know they're like oh wow this was so unique and new and different like this actually artificially spiked my joy but the real secret i think is to find that joy in all the things and find the joy in the pain find the joy in the growth find the joy in the happiness find the joy in those great experiences not like you have to deny yourself the jet setting or all the things but just go through it without the goal being to accomplish something but the goal being the journey of doing that thing which is your soul's purpose it's like doing it because of why you're here you know not doing it because you need something else you know just doing it for the mere sake of it's an emanation of you being who you are do you do you give yourself permission that or do you give yourself space to like pursue something that you know is not is just potato chips it's just an addictive guilty pleasure nothing's going to come from it but you're just like we all got something this is going to be my thing I, yeah, I mean, all the time, right? Like, there, I'll, there's little indulgences that I'll know, like, mm, yeah, whatever, you know. But and those are, but those external indulgences aren't really the the biggest issue. The biggest issue is the internal indulgences, like feeling something and just allowing myself too, permitting myself too long to feel it. So, like having a feeling of anxiety or stress or unworthiness or something like that and having that in there and not pausing and taking the time to like unwind see where that's coming from journal meditate flow do what i need to to kind of like unwind that emotional thing and instead moving towards any form of distraction so Mm. that all that external stuff is just really a symptom symptom of me avoiding what internally i'm feeling you know so it's kind of like an avoidance pattern and I'll, I'll permit myself the ability to do that that could be alcohol or that could be masturbation or that could be any variety of different things yeah. which is everything is okay but nonetheless like the the biggest thing is i'm learning is to just whatever whatever i'm feeling just go ask the questions like all right what is this what do you what is the story you're telling yourself what is the feeling that's underpinning that story and then get to why are you feeling that you know, like what is the reason that you're feeling that yeah and like really dive deep into that yeah i, I took a lot of value from that conversation um his name slips my mind the one who wrote about you guys are talking about respond to life don't react to it mm-hmm. and the idea of uh be aware that you're telling yourself a narrative you know yeah. like if i came in here and you know sky said oh aubrey can't make it today you know we'll reschedule and then me creating a narrative as to what happened or why. Right. And like, oh, he doesn't he doesn't respect me as a person. That's why he didn't show up. Or maybe this is an emergency or what have you. And it's and realizing that we don't acknowledge that we're telling ourselves the story. We just 
a story pops in our head and we react to it. And that most, most of us are just sharing our reactions to these things and never deciding, hey, can I take the spotlight and just adjust it one degree to the left and now everything changes and I see things from a new perspective. Um, that I've taken a lot of value from and that's really, it's also kind of throwing me down a rabbit hole because there's endless explanations to everything now. And, you know, my rule, especially for all the amount of time I spend in Los Angeles, it's don't take things personal, even when they are personal, because mm -hmm. nobody out, everybody out there is so used to not having to be relied on for anything. So you make plans with somebody, it's so casual for them to cancel the last minute. I had a friend attend an event with another person, and then that other person just left. And then just, <laughs> and then my friend's like, hey, where are you? I'm, I'm on the first floor. They're like, oh, I went home. And my friend just being like, okay yeah <laughs> and really, it's hard not to take that personal it is hard not to take that personal you know, and i think that's, even if that's you, the challenge right you look at that as like an opportunity rather than a curse yeah and and then at the same time like i get back to my hometown five days out of the month and then i'm starting to realize how people are measuring where they fit on my totem pole if i make time for them mm. well like if you're in town for five days how can how come you didn't call me and i'm like i got shit to do yeah. and they're like well you know so i saw you with so-and-so or i saw you on certain of this person's story and or what have you and then being like oh i get it you know if i don't want them to take it personal i can't take it personal when this stuff happens to me like it's you know we can't have that double standards for ourselves when it comes to how we're treated versus how we treat other people communication is such an important key too yeah. and like we think that these euphemisms that we use with people are actually helpful we think that we're being nice mm. like oh yeah man you know like definitely i'll see you next time when i'm out in la and blah 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 and i'll, I'll do this and yeah okay cool we all do that shit, right mm. but i like i see that a that to with kindness and love just express the truth like oh man i really enjoyed this you know we probably won't ever hang again but i really enjoyed this time that i that i spent with you yeah. and they might take that as like a little bit like oh oh man i'm bummed but at least then all of those other things like it's resolved yes you know and i think all too often we play these nice games like yeah i might see you there like oh yeah i'm having this party over here like okay yeah i might see you there but getting more and more like yeah i won't be there but i hope you guys have the best time you know yeah. and just like you just instead of stringing along these ideas because in the moment it's something that feels good and avoids that slight bit of crunchiness while you're present yes. so it's very selfish to do it right because you selfish, say something yeah. that's nice that in the present moment feels nicer for you because it avoids their discomfort their small discomfort but it's just setting them up for a greater discomfort down the road and yourself and yourself too yeah. because then you have the guilt about it and then you're contemplating oh well i said i was gonna maybe do it and then all this shit but if you can just express the truth as it stands you're gonna be a lot freer yeah kind kindness is clarity yeah yeah and and you're absolutely right because it's like oh i don't want to seem like a dick so i'm just gonna you know say what i need to not to seem like a dick you're not really protecting another person's feelings you're, you're leading them on mm -hmm. you're not being clear with them also you're practicing being unclear yourself so in the future when you need to you need something to better your life you won't be in a position to be clear with yourself or be clear with others you know it'll be a lot of beating around the bush and um, you know, and that encourages a lot of passive aggressive behavior as well, which I think is super toxic in the yeah. long run to our being who we are. And that definitely probably 
slows down the construction of the bridges that we can build with other people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I see it in, in uh, especially when you have something strong to gain from from a situation, whether it's a intense pleasure or whether it's like a, a business thing. Like, let's say, let's say it's with a romantic partnership, right? And you know that the person you're with is interested in a long-term monogamous relationship that's going to result in marriage, yeah. you know? And you know that with this person, that's not what it's about. That it's about like, I'm totally down to enjoy these moments that we have and these moments can extend and all things are hypothetically possible, but that is not what's in my head at all. To express that is challenging because you have to be willing to fold the hand that you have, which is them potentially being with you at that point. Like when you express that, you have to be willing to let them go. You have to be willing to let that whole situation that you know is going to yield you something that you like in the meantime, you have to be willing to let it go. But that's the only thing that's playing above board. That's the only thing that's not black magic. You know, everything else is some subtle form of manipulation where you're telling them, oh yeah, you know, like I'm totally into that. We'll see where where it goes, you know, like blah, blah, blah. You play that game. Well, it's just going to lead to a lot of heartache down the road so trying to just be as ruthlessly honest knowing that truth is love ultimately you know that and that you have to be willing to have a sacrifice on the on the front side yeah you know and how other people take it is going to be a reflection of where they're at Mm -hmm. in their own journey some people will completely appreciate it other people will write diss songs about you and everything yeah. in between. Well, at least they have agency, though. Yeah. At least those people have agency to decide what they want to decide about you. Yeah. And maybe they'll, maybe that will, you know, they'll decide whatever they want. But at least you've given them the honest, the honest truth. It's like playing the hand with your cards open. Yeah. And it's just like this is it. You know, you interested? And I've had, you know, in in that particular situation with romantic partners, I've had definitely i've had that conversation like right now you know i've just gotten out of a very long relationship and it was really challenging i learned a lot i'm not really interested in any kind of relationship so i'm not interested in a relationship period but i love the time we spend together i think the experiences we have are great and i think you know i i deeply enjoy them so if you're interested in continuing them i would love to and they're like what really come on like I'm like, yeah, that's just just the truth. And I've had some people go, okay, I'm not into that. I can't do it. But let's just be friends. I'm like, great, that sounds good. And then other people are like, okay, well, let's keep having fun then. You know, okay, great. You might also get the people like, okay, let's keep having fun in the back of the head. Like, I'm a convert them. Uh, that's true. Yeah, I'm a. But that's over. but then that's tricky. Oh, that that's really tricky. Yeah. Because all right, when you know somebody, you've told them the truth, yeah. but you know that they're telling themselves another truth. Because then it gets to the point where you could go look i know that you're listening to what i'm saying but i know you're not believing me so i'm going to i'm going to deny you this experience because i know you're not being honest with yourself that's a hard one because it's almost a little bit condescending at that point it's being like it's almost being like a parent not necessarily condescending but it's being parental and being like you can't handle you know you can't handle what i'm actually or like receive what i'm saying so i'm going to deny it that's a that's a tricky one yeah see i I had that situation and i think i didn't 
approach it with compassion i think i went the other way like oh i told you what it is <laughs> you're acting like you don't know what it is so at this point whatever happens happens yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna move accordingly um and you're gonna have to come to terms that you're lying to yourself and you know and i'm gonna kind of and at that point i wasn't i wasn't mature enough to to, to acknowledge that i still played a part in it i'll say i'm gonna wash my hands of this if this ends up with your heart being broken i'm just gonna tell the judge that hey look the transcripts show that i said this i said yeah. this and they were in denial of it but now i realize that no i still play a part in that and as yeah you you're said still right complete you're still complicit to a certain degree yeah. and that's where these these like the philosophical ideals can become clear like how to be is actually really clear okay how to be loving honest compassionate yeah. of service yeah what to do then becomes tricky <laughs> you know it's like okay if you've done those things but then somebody else is you know not really listening or they're overstepping the boundaries like what is the point of being loving and having the boundary and discretion you know that's anytime i post about you know unconditional love and forgiveness and non-judgment people are like well what about that person who's you know sucking your energy and being an asshole it's like it's okay to have discernment it's yeah. okay to have boundary you know but but that's where it, it gets challenging especially when like things as deep as love are involved like where is the point where you have boundary where is the point where you surrender and receive what's coming without judgment and where is the point where you go okay i'm sorry like this is enough and this isn't for me anymore yeah because the tools will never be one size fits all and i right. think that's how people start to take it because people are so used to gospel they don't they don't understand that when aubrey's talking aubrey is sharing his personal best practices that work most of the time or work more than they don't work yeah and tools is is the key to all of this at the end of the day you know we can communicate better when we have more tools to communicate with and when we don't have any tools that's when we got to use our fists or we mm -hmm. got to start sh shouting at each other and the big thing is to kind of let go of this idea that when somebody gives you a piece of advice that it's gonna it's gonna blanket everything and work every single time um you know as some of the, this book is tools to find and create silver lining out of challenging situations and one chapter is called zoom in like take a deeper look at things and 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 don't rush to judgment until you have a, a clearer vision of what's happening the next chapter is called zoom out sometimes you got to zoom in to, to get a better understanding sometimes it's take a step back mm -hmm. to get a better understanding when will each one apply that's why the book's called things no one else can teach us you got to figure that part out i can't yeah. i don't know i can share i can tell you the times that zooming in helped i can tell you the times that zooming out helped but for each of us these tools are good to have on our belt but we're not going to always know when to use it you know we're not going to know the difference between a mallet and a hammer sometimes and it's going to be trial and error that's life yeah i mean we can all buy a lathe and a hammer and yeah. all the woodworking tools but not all of us are going to be able to make a beautiful writing desk yeah. or a beautiful you know cabinet set yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean or we can all buy paints and a paintbrush but it's about how you end up using those things that decides the skill that you have with them and i think that's something that we're all learning yeah. and when we're all learning how to use these tools to the best of our ability and then just surrendering to where you are instead of where you think you should be is another big lesson like okay here i am you know i'm trying to make this table 
and it's not very useful it's like lopsided <laughs> you know it's like rough on this spot but i'm doing my best and i'll make another table again soon and that's okay yeah. i'm not a table making master yet you know i'm not yeah. a master carpenter and if i keep following other people who make beautiful tables on instagram it'll teach me how to make a better table but it may also make me feel more insecure about my talents and i right. need to be aware of both of those things right and not and maybe make the decision to stop following these people or make mm -hmm. the decision to get off Instagram. And all of these play a part. And, and the more control uh, that we have over this stuff or the more ownership we take over this stuff, um, the more control we'll have over it. Yeah, that, co that comparison is, uh, is an interesting thing because, again, it's one of those things like this can be inspirational, it can be aspirational, it can teach you things. But if you're using you know where you are to compare to where they are and then using that to in some form of self-condemnation yeah where you're like oh well fucking look at this guy he's younger than me and look at he's fucking crushing or look at this girl and look there look what they're accomplishing what am i doing yeah. you know using it in that way well that's not going to be that helpful yeah it, it, it gets really tricky and you start to think it's and it really just matters on how you look at it because you can look at this person, as, as I said, like it, it makes you feel less of yourself. And then if you don't have the tools to acknowledge that you're being jealous, then you might start to try to tear them down, whether it's in your head or, or publicly. And the other way, you just say, oh, this person is showing me what's possible. Mm. You know, this person is showing me, you know, that it's possible to 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 live a life. You know, if I can look at your story and be like, all right, this person, oh, this guy is just a you know, dating a bunch of girls, making a bunch of money, living all this life. This guy's just toxic. This guy's just uh, doing all this bad stuff. And and maybe that's a reflection of me being unable to do that because I don't have mm -hmm. as big of a business as you or I don't have as many girlfriends as you. Or I can be like, this guy is showing what's possible and then making it aspirational or taking a deeper dive. Well, this, this guy's actually a giant warning sign sharing with me the struggles of all the things that i might be aspiring to you right. know and i think that's you know it's it's a it's all how we choose to look at it going back to the bucket if the bucket's not turned over it won't matter and i think encouraging people to continually ask those questions with themselves and that definitely requires us to be away from all the distractions i don't know if it means being in the middle of the forest or the jungle in peru but it definitely means put the phone away for five minutes and take out a journal and just start writing and be okay yeah, that's like the, that's, that's both zoom out and zoom in right yeah. you zoom out from the world so you can zoom into yourself yeah you know what i mean yeah. it's like let's okay let's take some time to actually separate ourselves from all of these other forces and then dive into the into the core of it yeah you know that's something i had to do in my relationship with whitney is i had to go spend i think it was 18 days down in south america in patagonia and uh, buenos aires i just totally by myself locked away on my phone and it was like breaking the fever of my own validation seeking and my own jealousies like i needed that time those days were fucking brutal to be honest yeah. were all 18 days brutal or did you hit some sort I had, of point? there were some highs there were some beautiful highs out in yeah. nature and like beautiful hikes and moments where i would just like look out and you know lago sarmiento this beautiful lake that i was at and just watch the waters lapping at the rocks and the sheep rolling through and it would mm -hmm. just be like ecstasy but for, for for the most part a lot of these thoughts would just keep coming up these yeah. like waves of emotion would just crash into me and i had no outlet for it 
you know, I was denying myself all of the different escape plans that I have, which is alcohol, distraction, friends, social media, all the things so that every wave that came, I had to just deal with it myself. And eventually the fever, eventually the fever broke. Yeah. But it took a long time, you know, but, but I mean by fever is just this kind of emotional stirring that was, you know, really devastating and like yeah. a lot of emotional release too, like saying goodbye, like grieving, you know, grieving these old expectations and these old understandings and these old frameworks, these old desires, grieving them and letting them go. You know, I'm yeah. sitting there in a dining hall, everybody's having wine and there's couples and I'm just like, crying into my bread course you know like and people are looking at me like what the fuck is wrong with this guy you know but ultimately like that was a moment that was a moment in time that i needed yeah and i need those i need those regularly you know i mean i think some people can maintain a more balanced existence kind of permanently like probably your father's in that place now where yeah. he doesn't need a lot of like he doesn't need to go somewhere and isolate himself he's kind of constantly in a flow yeah i think he's also part of that generation like he never got the the hyper reality like he grew up in a village in the desert without electricity and then even when he came to to canada in the 70s it was still simpler times it wasn't as fast paced as it is now and then you know he he retired from the cab just as uber came in and took over that world so just dodging all of that and kind of maintaining his own personal speed and i think when he takes a walk around the city he's walking around like when he was a kid walking around the farms and sometimes look at that or maybe that's me making an excuse and just being like oh it's harder for me because i'm part of the the social media generation and that's how i make my money and all of this type of stuff but you know i'm figuring it out as i speak the sentence like everything in life the journey to self-mastery requires energy and it requires a certain amount of focus and so everything else in your life, if you can simplify that in any way, it is only going to be beneficial to everything in your life. So anything you simplify is going to have a universal effect of benefiting your life. And that's why I like Thrive Market, because Thrive Market makes things really easy. You know, like sometimes I like going to the grocery store. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I would rather have all of the healthiest, best foods that I love just delivered to my house so that I can focus on my work, I can focus on working out, I can focus on my personal practices, I can just sit and deal with the things that are coming at me, that life is throwing at me, and utilizing the mental practices to get beyond them. And so if you have all of these great foods just coming to your door, you don't have to worry about it. And Thrive makes that as easy as anything out there, because they curate literally my favorite products and the best products that are out there. I mean, that's why they came about, to not only deliver products like Amazon or anything would do, but also curate the very best of these products so that you can select and discover things that can help benefit you and are frankly just delicious. Because sometimes we just want something that's not only good for us, but tastes great just to kind of take a break, you know, have some good food, like relax, have a snack, have a meal, have something that we love. And Thrive does that as good as anybody out there. And with the selection they have, I think it's absolutely the best out there. So if you want to try Thrive, you can get 25% off your first order 
plus a free 30-day trial if you go to thrivemarket.com slash Aubrey or use the code word Aubrey at checkout. Again, that's going to get you 25% off your first order, free 30-day trial. And all you got to do, go to thrivemarket.com slash Aubrey, use the code word Aubrey and browse around, get some of your favorite stuff, see if you like it. I'm sure you will because we all love to eat and simplifying your life is only going to be a benefit. So I hope you check it out and let me know what you think. I think it I think it is ostensibly typically a more challenging time. Yeah. You know, but I think there's also more tools than there ever has been. Yeah. So I think there's more stressors and more resistance but also more tools. So it's up to us to choose to take equal opposing countermeasures to the pressures that we're facing right now. Because yeah. undeniably, like depression is increasing, suicidality amongst youth is increasing, even measures and metrics for loneliness. Mm-hmm. Like the younger the generation, the more lonely they feel while actually they're more connected to the whole world than they ever have been before. But loneliness isn't through digital connection, it's through vulnerability and actually sharing your truth rather than a projection of what you think people might want to like to see and click that double click your picture so that it favors the algorithm and you get a big post you know like that is not that is not going to create connection that's not going to create any sense of community and that's what's going to create your your loneliness yeah um that's an interesting you brought up i guess i always viewed vulnerability in a negative context of like vulnerability and i catch myself saying this all the time like people use vulnerability as currency to make friends and and for some reason, I always looked at that as that as a negative thing. But I think that's probably a product of my upbringing too, just where I grew up and hyper alpha male stuff, hyper you can't say that stuff, and just even re- recently, just hanging out with some friends who never left the city, and you know them saying, "Yo, you living in L.A. now? Don't turn gay." And I was like, "What do you mean turn gay? Just don't turn gay." <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, "Why are you afraid of me turning gay?" I was like, what have I done that made you think I'm turning gay? <laughs> and like, you wear. What t- does it matter? Yeah, well, what does it for these guys? What does it matter? That's that's too much into the conversation. So I'm trying to I'm trying to meet them where they're at. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what did I do to make you think I'm gay? You wear tight pants now, and because we grew up wearing baggy pants, and yeah. But then going back into my memory and remembering like being in the because th- I have all the same friends since I was four, and and we we grew up together and just remembering being like in the third grade and like one student getting an earring and us being like oh shit he's gay he got mm-hmm. an earring and I, I have a whole chapter in this book about being homophobic and 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 i start by saying i grew up in a neighborhood where there were no gay people and then they go oh then i realized that there probably were gay people but they never felt safe to be themselves yeah and the the references that we continually made and then i kept deconstructing things and pretty much what I got from that conversation with him was, it, it, I don't have an issue with people who are gay. I will have an issue with you at this age figuring out that you're gay. Mm. You should have figured it out early. If it takes you this long, then that means you're weak. So his whole definition of everything wasn't even about being a homosexual. It was about being weak. And the earring represented weakness because that, that, that was considered feminine when we were kids. Certain kids that didn't go to the schools that we went to, it was like we had a, you had the junior school, the middle school, and the high school right. in the neighborhood. And that was, we, we grew up in a challenging neighborhood. Certain kids went to the nicer high schools. Their parents were smart. They took them out of the, the schools that we were going to. We used to call those kids gay, yeah. you know? And this was kind of this thing. And 
he he gave me that gift of reminding me of these these standards and realizing like this is why I've never appreciated vulnerability. A because I've had childhood friends, people whose moms are friends with my mom, so we've just had history forever. So I've always had this base to fall back on. I've never felt this need to make new friends because I've always had my core. And B, we were never allowed to be vulnerable. Yeah, you know, we were we weren't even allowed to wear. T- apparently, we weren't even allowed to wear tighter jeans. And uh, not having to go home to unpack that, and now moving forward and finding that is still a huge challenge when I start speaking to people and they get re- very vulnerable. And I think it's not until recently when you hear people sh- realizing that real strength comes through vulnerability because in the beginning i think for me it was if i met somebody for the first time and then they started getting vulnerable i would interpret that as desperation yeah to be my or some friend. kind of manipulation yeah being like hey man like yeah. we just met why am i knowing like learning about your daddy issues or right or whatever's going on well it's i think it's an it's an interesting balance between an authentic expression of your vulnerability which i think takes incredible courage right mm-hmm. so if you talk about strength like the strength is in sharing the truth of what is. Yeah. And that may haphazardly be, you know, that first time that you meet somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Like you may have just caught them on a moment where their truth, they could like, they could suck it up and, and whatever and pretend. But yeah. if they're like, yo, man, it's so good to meet you. I'm having a fucking gnarly day. Yeah. I just got to say, man, yeah. you know, it's just like you caught me in a weird time and, uh, and that, and that kind of came out and they were just radically expressing that that would be absolutely an act of courage whereas if they're drawing up some other issues which is really kind of playing this victimhood which is trying to harness some kind of pity or empathy yes, or yes. like you know victimhood versus vulnerability is a much different thing you know like vulnerability to me is just the truth of what is and sometimes that truth is hard and sometimes sometimes actually vulnerability is being your most radiant self also like i think vulnerability and humility are also they get kind of confused yeah like some people will downplay their shine Mm. to make other people feel comfortable too yes right and also not to get people to you know throw the throw the rocks at them because they don't like the shiny things but that's not being humble like being humble and being vulnerable is being true and that means if you're in the best fucking mood and you're around a bunch of people who are like not in that mood like you express like hey truth is like everything is as good as it could possibly be in my life you know and if you're around a bunch of people who are in the best mood and you'd be like truth is like i thought about fucking killing myself last week like shit is fucking gnarly for me and you're just like expressing the truth that vulnerable humility i think is always going to be endearing as long as it doesn't have a strategy right like like the strategy is where it comes kind of fucked up if you're just really bound like your ethos is to speak the truth the truth of whatever that is i'm gay i'm sad i'm depressed i'm i don't know what i am i'm this i feel this or whatever like that's that's always courageous but then if you're doing it as a means to an end then that's kind of gross yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean and that's i think why chogim trumpa said a warrior's decency is the absence of strategy like any of our decency is expressing ourselves without a strategy like this is what i'm feeling here it is and take it take with it what you will you know and that in itself requires a lot of practice it does and it and, does and being okay with things not 
always working out the way you want it to. I yeah. guess that makes a strategy if you wanted things to work out in a certain way. And that's where it gets really hard when you're, you know, dealing with powerful people or people who you really want to be with, right? Like it's fucking hard not to have strategy. You know, mm -hmm. like if you're with that person who, let's say you meet somebody who can really sell the shit out of your book, you know what I mean? To not have strategy when you go meet that person, just even if it's subconscious, like playing in the background, like, well, I'm gonna be the funniest version of myself. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this to get there. Like that's really almost impossible level of truth to get to. But if you're able to do it, that person will feel your comfort they'll feel that kind of like oh man this person's like wicked comfortable doesn't they don't want anything from me yeah you know they're just hanging yeah and i think that ultimately can create a longer friendship and a, like a deeper bond than someone who because people can suss out unless you're just a real master like people and not master in a good way but like masterful manipulator like people can suss out when you have a plan you know when you're like putting something on yeah and unless you're someone's really blind that's going to be repulsive and it's like how to remind yourself like okay and it's funny that you brought that up because i actually had a situation with a with a i guess a i'm not i think she she owns a big production company and she was in new york and i randomly met her somewhere in la and then she said oh hit me up when you when you're in new york i'm gonna help you sell your book and 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 her last Instagram photo was with her and J-Lo. And I was like, this is super cool. Mm -hmm. I had a meeting with her at 4 p.m. I, I was celebrating my book release by getting myself a tattoo. And I had the appointment at 12 p.m. I'm like, I'm going to get this tattoo and go see her. As soon as I sat down with the artist, he's like, yeah, it's going to take six hours. And I was like, shit, I got a meeting at four. And it took me like three months to get this appointment. So I was like, I can send an email saying something came up or I can be honest. So... I chose honesty. I said, hey, I had an appointment. That was going to take three hours. It's taking six. Can we reschedule? And I got a, a reply. No worries. Excited to see what it looks like. Never heard from them again. And then obviously you have this dialogue in your head, just like, did I offend them? Did I mess this up? Did I do whatever? Are they just busy? Should I send flowers? I don't know what to do. But then, and then I think about like Dave Chappelle's when keeping it real goes wrong. <laughs> you know? i was like you tried not to be strategic you tried your best to be as honest as possible in this relationship and things didn't work out but then i have to remind myself like hey maybe if it all worked out that doesn't you know maybe you would have sold a million more books and then you would have jumped off the balcony from all the pressure because you couldn't write another or, book ever again or you could or she was planning on canceling that shit anyways yeah you know like there's so many times there's where you've adjusted ways, yeah. you've adjusted everything and you've like cleared it all and like all right i got this thing yeah. And then they're like, oh, sorry, I got to reschedule. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you're like, well, fuck, I got half a tattoo <laughs> now and I didn't get this meeting. And then like, then you're really like in, in the worst position possible. Yeah. You know, like, so it is, it is a balance, but that's again where being, you know, being real, being true, being loving, that gets easy. And then the doing, well, the doing gets complicated. You were placed in a, in a predicament between being and doing being was being honest yeah. and then what to do well i don't know <laughs> i don't know you know and that's that's where it's always the that's always the challenge yeah. is really it's hard to be too it's hard to be all those things. it's not like it's easy but at least it's clear at least it's like clear how to be yeah but what to do then gets then is to me where it gets tricky yeah 
and uh, I'm I'm trying my best to uh, to to channel my inner Gary V with that stuff, which is like just make a decision and move on, and don't revisit it. Just you made it, you made it. Now just keep moving on. Yeah, and, that's hard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. His his wavelength is, is he seems like he's having a lot of fun on that wavelength and. I don't know how he caught that, but I try to remind myself, like, at the end of the day, you didn't know how things were going to turn out. Uh, I think for me, it was, I have just a few of these stories where I just, I definitely tried my best to put myself out there, be honest, be open, and I didn't get what I expected. And I think that's mm-hmm. probably the bigger conversation, as I say it out loud, is you have to, you were, I was, I, I have to be honest for my own sustainable self-preservation because when you're not honest with yourself you're taking you're chipping away at who you are and that's the real priority the priority isn't to to be honest for people to respect that you're honest the priority is for you to be honest because otherwise you're you're just damaging yourself for it and irrespective of how the outside world reacts to that isn't as important as how's your inside universe going to react to that yeah yeah i mean that that uh those instances you probably have the inverse but the thing is when it goes wrong they stick out more Mm -hmm. you know you probably have those moments where it all worked out perfect because you did you did follow you know follow those guideposts but those ones will like blur away (laughs) into the into the lost memories of our personal history yeah when things go right that blurs away real quick that blurs away real quick but when those things go wrong like that tattoo versus meeting thing you know those ones will stick out and that's just the nature of the mind you know mm. that's just the way the mind works the mind obsesses over the failures just like when we look at a we could look at a post we made and see a hundred good comments and then two that are really attacking and we're like and we'll remember those two you know and i'll be like oh man people are really fucking getting fired up over this post and it's like three people out of 300 you know but we'll we'll just look for those negative things and it makes sense from an evolutionary biology perspective those threats we need to pay more attention to than yeah the abundance that's around us right because those things we don't need to worry about but yeah. those things that are threats well we got to really identify that but it's just being aware of that and being like okay like well, let's look at the whole landscape most of the time this is working out right yeah occasionally it's not you know do you think it's important to look at those comments I do, yeah, because they're either going to teach they're going to teach you something one way or another. Yeah. If it bothers you, like you were saying, it's it's attaching itself to some insecurity you had or some piece of pride that you had. I notice like one one thing. Most of the comments I can just kind of you know I always respond with love, but the ones that kind of bother me are when people have like the facts of how on it started completely wrong, okay. and they're like. Yeah, it must be nice to have that company with all that daddy's money. And I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> like, sure, my dad made money as a commodities trader. He gave me a zero dollars to start on it, right? Yeah. So like, and I'm proud of that. Like, I'm proud of the fact that I raised money from two of my friends and we started this company on $110,000 of investment and we never took any more cash and, and grew it from cash flow. But then somebody will say that and I'll be like, fuck you you know but that's because it's a it's a part it's a point of pride for me it's something that i've identified with that i didn't take advantage and not that even they would have even if i asked so i'm fortunate in that way but i didn't take advantage of 
the opulence that my parents had. I didn't participate in that, still haven't participated in that. I don't have any trust fund. I don't have any anything else. Like what I've gotten, sure, they helped pay for my school and I'm grateful for all the opportunities that I had as a kid. You know, I got a free education. That's fucking rad. Didn't really use my education to start on. I was a philosophy <laughs> yeah. major, but damn it helped with the podcast, I'm sure. You know, I still yeah. reference some things that I learned there. So it's not that I haven't been very blessed, but these things that I have a piece of point of pride about, that's a reflection for me to go like, okay, that still bothers you. Why? Well, your identity is identified as someone who didn't rely on the help of their parents, and that's important to you. But you can let that go, man. Like you can just let them let them go and let them believe whatever they want to believe, and it's okay. You know, so that's an opportunity. So I do like reading all the comments and even the negative comments. That's an example where someone is clearly wrong and projecting a reason why I'm successful and they're not. Yeah. Well, okay, it's daddy's money or whatever. But, you know, sometimes they're actually right about something. Sometimes they're like, well, I disagree with this because of this. And I'm like, oh, that's a good fucking point. You know, let me clarify that message. Let me like speak a little bit more clearly and like help people understand the difference. Like the difference between judgment, discernment, and condemnation. Those are three like synonyms. And in a recent post that I had, I used the word judgment and people were confusing that with just being aware of two different circumstances so okay. like like under like seeing was yeah. the way that they were using it. i was like no no no, i didn't mean it that way i meant it in judgment as in condemnation you know so like if i didn't read the comments that were like disagreeing with then i wouldn't perfect my use of the language yeah you know my ability to use the tools but do you think had you used condemnation that would have provided the, the, the sufficient clarity and you wouldn't have received another comment I might have received a different one, yeah. but it would have it would have quenched that it would have quenched that line of inquiry. So it's just a way to like hone it's a way to hone my game okay. internally or externally. Either yeah. I didn't present information right, or I haven't done the internal work to release my points of pride. Which your points of pride are also based on, you know, some probably some fear or insecurity yeah. that's deeper in there. You know, that's somewhere in there. So some identification some way that my ego is attached to some way to looking at myself so either internally or externally it's going to teach me something yeah how about you um i think i i kind of had the philosophy that it's all it's all has to be white noise or it all has to matter so you know if for me if the if the criticisms were going to penetrate the skin or, or sorry if i wanted the the compliments you know you always get a majority your community will always kind of have your back so 99% of the nice things you want if you want to enjoy those then you have to absorb the 1% of negative yeah um i went the other way so i just took it all as white noise i don't i don't um particularly uh take any emo i don't know how it happened it probably has to do with the thick skin but I, I don't particularly take any of it and then every once in a while um i recently I, I did a for the last promo run i did the pornhub podcast great conversation three hours we didn't even talk about sex it was just a great amazing conversation asa akira the host took a took a picture with her and then you know my comments went off you know this is against who you are this is against religion porn is about human trafficking this is that all this type of stuff and you want and at that point it's like these are new types of criticisms i've never got before so mm. at this point you have an explanation in your head that you feel well once you clarify this one person it'll make things better but then you realize like 
but n- that's not going to make everybody happy. I've been criticized. Sure. I got criticized for going to Nick Jonas and Priyanka Chopra's wedding because like five years ago, Priyanka Chopra said something political I didn't even know she said that went against the politics of my people. Um, I get criticized when Lily Singh, you know, my best friend does something on her NBC show and they start to be like, well, Humble didn't tell her he's on her payroll. And I'm just like, I have no idea. I didn't even know any of this stuff happened. So I think for me, I kind of looked at it as explaining gets very draining. Every once in a while, though, I'll get a message from somebody that I know I can I can feel it in their words. They they care about me. They ride with me and they're honestly hurt on some level something i said or did mm. and part of me w- wants to give explanations but I, I still every time i've never felt better explaining myself no i agree in clarifying and explaining are two different things because yeah. like clarifying i, I will mo- I'll almost always do so yeah. like clarifying the difference between judgment and condemnation i was like well i meant judgment in the utilization of the word is condemnation yeah. and i feel like that clarified things and actually the, the list of comments after that were like okay now yeah. like get that but then explaining explaining always makes you feel worse because then someone comes back with some other shit because it's like rationalizing or justifying what you're doing which yeah is is ultimately comes from an insecurity to a certain degree about about why you did it and and it really doesn't satisfy it because people will find that thing so yeah i'm with you and i'm also with you that it's um you know it's difficult to i i am pretty neutral to both positive and negative comments um and some positive comments are really moving some negative comments are really irritating but for the most part in generality unfortunately i'm really neutral because otherwise i'd be pretty fucking happy all the time i get a lot of good comments you know what i mean but i still maintain some neutrality and i think that is a product of some of the criticism you know like you just do create this kind of bubble of all right, well, nobody really knows me and knows what's going on. I'm happy that I'm doing the things, but you just stay focused on you and just emanating the truth to the best you can. Yeah, and I also kind of look at it in the terms of, I don't know how to put this in terms of words, but the confirmation bias that we all are going to end up suffering being public you know, being public figures, you know, you see it, you know, on an extreme level with Trump, you know, for some people he can do no right, for other people he can do no wrong. And part of me is like, you know, at this point, you know, and I'll give you, you, for example, consuming your work at this point, if you, if you write something that just seems left field, that seems off Aubrey, seems what have you, I think by default, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt Yeah. because of that. So sometimes, so when I see criticisms, I feel like, their confirmation bias is the other way. Yeah. I could do no right in right. their eyes because they've found a way to read between the lines, nitpick, pick certain words. Um, for me, the key word problematic. If I hear the word problematic, I, I automatically know that this person, this is a, this is a level of bias kind of happens from there. I feel like that's that's a tool or a weaponized word at this point. To me, that word is problematic when, when I start mm-hmm. to hear that. Um, and it, and it definitely, especially growing up in Toronto, uh, you know, from a from a racial standpoint, uh, it's one of the most multicultural places in the world. And 
I grew up with Jamaicans who could speak Punjabi and we learned we learned Patois and I go to Trinidad every year because I, I grew up on soca music. When I was in grade one, the first birthday party my parents ever let me go to was a, a Trinidadian birthday party and I was watching, you know, aunties shaking their booty to, to soca music. It's, mm. For me, it's nostalgic. So I go to Trinidad every year. And then you make it out to, you know, you make it out to the West Coast where it's not as multicultural and they start throwing words at you like cultural appropriation. Like this brown guy is rapping. He's taking on other people's culture. He's exploiting blackness. And you're like, no, I'm just acting like how people in my neighborhood act. This is, this yeah. is how I grew up. Hip hop saved my life. Like I'm, I'm indebted to this culture and I'm contributing to it. And, and realizing that, you know, again, it, it's context. Now, should I write that long caption to explain what Toronto is for most people and show them that, hey, this is what 15 years in the future is going to look like for most major American cities? A, a, a world where people aren't focused on their ethnicity anymore. Now they're focused on their archetype. When, I, when I'm in Toronto, people don't just see a beard and turban. They're, they're going to see a hipster or a yuppie or a goth or yeah. what have you. They're seeing the archetype now because everybody's a plus one everybody's parents came to the country everybody relates to each other on that immigrant narrative but i understand in a heavily politicized divided racialized country as the states as it's currently exp being experienced that's a whole different context so then part of me is kind of like they'll get it when they get it you know right. Yeah, just just love them where they are. Yeah, I, even some of the music I grew up on that had the most impact on me, I didn't. I was listening to heartbreak songs when I was ten, before I could even, you know, mm -hmm. have my heart broken on the level that they were speaking. And then, ten years later, you hear something like, "Oh, now I know what they were talking yeah. about." <laughs> and I think it's kind of that's kind of the line I want to want to tell people: like, you'll get there, and and if I'm not there, I'll get there. Yeah. And I think we have to make space for each other to do this and. All this, crit we're, we're just reinforcing the criticisms that were placed upon us by the generations before us. And everybody's limited tool belt was guilt and shame, guilt and shame, guilt and shame. And there's better tools to get a message across than guilt and shame. And just because we were victims of it doesn't mean we have to continue that cycle moving forward. So let's find better tools than guilting and shaming people. If they say something we don't agree with, probably the internet's not the best form to do so or at the very least let's just become the example that we want to see if you if you write some stuff that i'm not cool with my best option is to talk about the stuff that i am cool with yep and and that's it and maybe unfollow you and move on with my life mm -hmm. um i recently had a friend who who designs clothes and they just got a insurgency of people attacking them uh, saying that they they stole a design and I know they definitely did not steal the design. And I know the design that they got publicated was, you know, one of five designs that the, that the model ended up wearing because the other, the other main design didn't fit. And, you know, this was taking a toll on them because they're new. They're new to the social media game. They're new to public scrutiny. And I kind of had to sit down with them and I said, listen, today the only option is going to be swipe left, block, delete, block, delete, block, delete. This is, this is your child. Protect your child. These people don't want to hear an explanation. Nobody came to you with love. Everybody came with guns blazing. These people don't want to hear an alternate universe where this could be a coincidence. To yeah. them, it's you stole everything and the end. Even though what, you, what, they, what they're accusing you of stealing, you made no money off of. Just somebody popular wore it. 
and that's the end of it. You don't even sell it. You just made them a bunch of clothes. They picked whatever fit them. They put it on. They posted it. The end. And I was like, you're only, no one's coming to you with love. Block, delete them all. They're all going to think they won because they got block, deleted. Let them have that victory. You got to protect your peace because you have more important work to do. Sometimes mm-hmm. you got to be at that level. Sometimes it's got to be explanations. Sometimes it's got to be hiring a public relations person and addressing a statement. <laughs> Again, that's all the that's all the strategy, right? Yeah. You know, like ultimately, whatever, whether you block delete them or whether you send them love or whether you leave it or whether you do, you know, I mean, I my personal strategy, I tend to almost always just send love and yeah. just if there's a negative comment, I'll just heart it like, okay, like you're heard, you know, I still love you still love you no matter what because that's a way for me to practice and i try to actually do it like try to actually like step inside their shoes see where they're coming from understand that what they're doing is coming from pain like in that new joker movie where everybody gets to see through joker's eyes like what makes joker joker you know and like see the good that got mutated and kind of transformed through this series of events like see that and just have compassion and send love and uh and that tends to that tends to be effective too but shit it's just all about what to do what's the, what's the best strategy what's the best timing what's the way what's the way to approach it because it is a it's a challenging world out there it man. is it and is there's just there's no right there's no right there's no wrong there's no good there's no bad that other than the way that you can take it and how you react to it that's what defines what it is yeah it's not yeah. what happened it's how you respond to it how you respond to it exactly and it ain't supposed to be easy and no how, we wouldn't uh, want it easy I always tell that's a, that's one of the ones I, I just I had to remind someone a few days ago too. It's just like, look, an easy day at the gym was a bad day at the gym. <laughs> yeah, you know. So an easy day in life, you know, maybe you should measure it that way as well. Like we got to have some resistance to get, get stronger. Get that healthy from work in. Yeah, get that healthy workout in. Yeah. <laughs> well, shit, man. It's good to sit down and rap with you again, man. Yo, I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Things no one else can teach us on sale when this podcast comes out, I believe right it's coming out like the day after it comes out when like tuesday uh 15th of october yeah so whenever this goes live boom i think it's out right now as you're listening to this check it out it's rad i really like the page design that you have on here too yes they did like a dope job of that they did that good they did did a good job of that in your last book too they yeah and and i think that's a big a big lesson i had to learn too because it was kind of like they're like hey sending you this this cover for uh feedback and and being like for feedback or for approval and then my agent being like oh well technically you don't get to decide your cover they decide your cover that's in your contract so they're doing they're they're sending you a courtesy saying your feedback Mm. so they're pretty much saying we're doing your cover whether you like it or not isn't as important but we'll make a little bit of space for you to say some (laughs) stuff but also realizing that you know they say don't judge a book by its cover but people judge books by its cover and these guys did a really dope job and they did i love i love the fact that the inside pages are blue so now i'm signing everything and i signed this one with with silver marker it just makes things a little bit more fun and uh yeah there's there's a cool aesthetic to it and, and it feels funky my little niece was holding it and she said the texture gives it a heebie jeebies <laughs> <laughs> and she's she learning that word heebie jeebies and uh but yeah no it's been cool this has been a cool process and i'm glad i finished this book before the last book became a success because yeah. I, I i'm very cognizant that if that book became as successful as it did and then i had to start writing this i would have just crumbled and literally or maybe I, not or maybe not or right. maybe not i or believe in you humble 
I appreciate that. I will that. continue to believe in you, my man. I appreciate it. It's been that. a pleasure keeping in touch with you this whole time. And of course, having you out here, man. Thanks for coming by. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah. See everybody. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Humble and I. Of course, check out his book, Things No One Else Can Teach Us, because we have to learn for ourselves. That book is available everywhere, so get it wherever books are sold. And of course, check out AubreyMarcus.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Share this podcast, all the things. I love you guys. See you next week.